I don't intend to be anybody but Joe Biden. That's who I am. <laughs> okay, Brandon. Why is the price of, of, of agricultural products, when I go to the store, why is it higher? Brandon! Guess what? They're closed those plants because they have COVID. Hey, Brandon! How dumb do you think I am? By the way, everybody internationally uses Build Back Better now. When I used the phrase initially, people looked at me like, Build Back Better. I will chain you to a pipe in a crawl space! This bill, probably starting within the next uh, two to three months, as we get things, shovels and grounds. I will downsize your face with a shovel! I could take, I'm gonna get in real trouble. Hey, hey, I'm your favorite internet politics talk show host, Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's September 15th, 2022. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe, tap the notification bell, share the videos, spread the word. Okay. Uh, we have a Rubin Report Locals Community Q&A for you today, uh, but I wanted to do two things up top. We usually do one thing up top on Thursdays when we're doing the Q&A so that I can get right to it, and the questions are a great mix of personal and political and cultural and everything else today, as always. Uh, but today I said uh, we have to do both of these stories because it, it's just so patently ridiculous uh, what happened yesterday. First off, Rand Paul just bashing uh, Dr. Fauci, Lord Fauci over the head with using his own words. It was just spectacular. But real quick, I want to talk to you guys about this, uh, this Governor DeSantis situation and sending the plane full, two planes full actually, of illegal aliens, people who are not legal members of the United States who cross the border illegally, thanks to the Biden administration. Well, Governor DeSantis is sending them, as he promised to do, he's sending them to Martha's Vineyard. Here's a little video from Fox. And two planes full of illegal migrants just landed on Martha's Vineyard. Apparently they were sent there by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Fox News Digital got this video showing the migrants landing on the ritzy island where President Obama has a summer home and the Clintons hold their ritzy fundraisers there and it's where Bill Gates takes his vacations. I wonder how they'll greet their new neighbors. Okay, so this is just so perfect because first off, DeSantis said he was gonna do it and he did it. That's number one. He is a man of his word. Number two, people are very, very angry at DeSantis and they're very angry at the governor of Texas Abbott and a couple other uh, uh, governors, like in Arizona, who are doing similar things with buses. This one was very dramatic because it was two planes. Uh, but they're very angry at them. They're, they're exacerbating the situation. They're sending people to D.C. The same people who want D.C. to be a sanctuary city and no person's illegal and blah, blah, blah. Then they start showing up to Martha's Vineyard and the libs, the lefties, the media people, they're all crumbling. They are all crumbling and freaking out and crying right now because they're going to Martha's Vineyard. Martha's Vineyard, I've never been there. It's one of the most exclusive places in the entire United States. Uh, we've got Barack Obama's home. I think we have a picture of that. That's Barack Obama's mansion. He got that after being president. Being president only pays you about $200,000 a year, I think, uh, but somehow, he, uh, 400? Is it 400? I thought it was 200. I guess they're giving a little more, but I'm pretty sure on a $400,000 a year salary, you shouldn't, be allowed, you shouldn't be able to afford that. That thing, it's a $12 million house, 8,200 square feet. We understand that his daughters, who are 24 and 21, don't live there anymore. So he's got plenty of room there. So you'd think now that evil Ron DeSantis has sent 
the refugees there. You'd think that Obama, maybe he could put up a couple tents outside, maybe give somebody a guest room or something. So let's just see if the rhetoric matches the action with the Democrats. So it's just a great move by DeSantis. And I just wanted to hit it up top. And of course, there, CNN literally this morning compared this to the, to the Holocaust, as always. I mean, these people are just liars and buffoons. And just remember, whether you think it's a political ploy or not, or it's a little bit of a stunt or anything else, no state has to keep any illegal person in that state. It is the job of the federal government. It is one of their few jobs to protect the border. If they will not do that, well then congrats, uh, blue states. It's your governors that are gonna bring these people in and create sanctuary cities and everything else. So I'm very proud today to be a Floridian. Uh, let me talk to you about Genucel real quick and then we'll get into this Rand Paul, Dr. Fauci thing, which was just nuts yesterday. Uh, you know, I've been using Genucel for quite a while now and it makes me feel and look so good during the show each morning. Can you tell I'm glowing? I've uh, told you a lot about Genucel, my absolute favorite luxury skincare. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how does $25 for Genucel sound? Genucel is celebrating the rollout of their personal shopper concierge service by offering their best sellers at 25 a piece. Not only is it a ridiculous discount, but you'll get a personal shopper you can reach out to via text, cell phone, or email from the convenience of your couch. No login and no passwords. Here's Teresa from Orland Park, Illinois. Genucel definitely makes me more confident. I've been using it for a while now and it does help with my crow's feet. It tightens the skin, making wrinkles a lot less noticeable. I have to hide it from my husband because he likes it too. She should just buy one for her husband. $25 for the most effective skincare in the world to take care of all your skincare needs. And with its immediate effects, guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours of your money back, go to genucel.com slash Dave right now. That's G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Dave. Uh, every most popular package is automatically upgraded to free shipping. Genucel.com slash Dave. That's Genucel.com slash Dave. And now back to me. Okay, so yesterday we had another one of these Senate hearings where they're trying to figure out what went wrong with COVID. And mostly it's a lot of blathering and nonsense and nothing ever comes of any of this stuff. But I have shown you over the course of the last year a couple times when Rand Paul in particular, he is particularly good at this. Ted Cruz is also excellent at it. But Rand Paul, who of course is a doctor, he is an ophthalmologist, uh, he has often, often taken Dr. Fauci down a notch or two. So they got into to a big skirmish. The first part was about natural immunity and Fauci was not ready because Rand Paul, uh, well, he brought the receipts. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. This is an ongoing question, and, you know, we've had ever-evolving opinions from you, Dr. Fauci. Currently, antibody surveys show that 80% uh, of children, approximately 80% of children, have had COVID, and yet there are no guidelines coming from you or anybody in the government to take into account their naturally acquired immunity. One of the things that we also know after looking at this for two to three years uh, is that the mortality uh, from COVID is very similar, if not less, than, than influenza. So when we look at this, we wonder, you know, why you seem to really embrace basic immunology back in 2004 and how you or why you seem to reject it now. Well, <clears throat> I don't uh, reject basic immunology, Senator. Reuters fact check looked at that and said, Fauci's 2004 comments 
do not contradict his pandemic actually, stance. Actually, words don't lie. If you look at the words behind me, we could go over them a little bit at a time. She doesn't need it because the most potent vaccination right. is getting infected yourself. And you're trying to tell us that kids need a third or a fourth vaccine. Are you including the variability or the variable of previous infection in the studies? No, you're not. Because when you have approved vaccines in recent times and the committees that have approved it for children don't report anything on hospitalization or death or transmission. Right. They only report that if you give them the jab, they'll make antibodies. And you can give kids hundreds of jabs and they'll make antibodies every time, but that does not prove efficacy. Right. So what you're doing is denying the very fundamental premise of immunology that previous infection does provide some sort of immunity. It's not in any of your studies. Almost none of your studies from the CDC or from the government have the variable of whether or not you've been previously infected. Okay, so I know that was a bit long, but I hope you understood why we played you the full thing. And we have one more clip for you. Rand Paul knows what he's talking about, but it's not just that he knows what he's talking about. He's using Fauci's own words against him. And then, of course, Fauci, oh, but the but Reuters fact-checked it. And he's like, uh, dude, this is exactly what you said back in 2004, that previous infection creates the best line of defense, right? Like, that's it. We all know it. And it has nothing to do with any of the policies that Fauci put forth, right? They weren't saying, okay, you don't have to get the shot so you can go back to school if you've been infected. They were never saying any of that. So he just really, he just nailed him to the wall. It's just absolutely perfect. Fauci should be ashamed to be seen in public at this point. Uh, and what's really interesting is now the second part here because they continue a little bit more on this, but now uh, Rand Paul really gets to the heart of this, which is why were they pushing these vaccines on everybody? What kind of connections do the people at NIH and CDC and Fauci himself and perhaps the media people, what kind of connections are there with the pharmaceutical corporations who sponsor all the news shows as we've shown you uh, and who are making crazy profits by endlessly injecting children with experimental vaccines that aren't quite vaccines uh, that you can now get everybody doing every year uh, just whether they've had COVID or not, uh, do you think there might be a little corruption here? You decry, and people decry vaccine hesitancy. It's coming from the gobbledygook that you give us. You're not paying attention right. to the science. The very basic science is that previous infection provides a level of immunity. If you ignore that in your studies, if you don't present that in your committees, you're not being truthful or honest with us. Uh, Senator, if I might respond, I have never, ever denied fundamental immunology. In fact, I wrote the chapter in the textbook of medicine is it any on of the, fundamental any, any of the immunology. Any of the guidelines for vaccines, you know, do any of the guidelines for vaccines from the government include previous infection as something to base your decision-making on with vaccines? And furthermore, we've been asking you, and you refuse to answer, whether anybody on the vaccine committees gets royalties from the pharmaceutical companies. I asked you last time, and what was your response? We don't have to tell you. Right. We've demanded them through Freedom of Information Act, and what have you said? We're not going to tell you. But I tell you this, when we get in charge, we're gonna change the rules, and you will have to divulge where you get your royalties from, from what companies, and if anybody on the committee has a conflict of interest, we're gonna learn about it, I promise.
say what you mean, know what you're talking about, say it clearly and forcefully. I love that ending there. When we get back in power, because it is very likely that the Republicans will get the House. It is a little less likely, but I think very possible that they'll get the Senate. And then Fauci could be in a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble, because what if the people that were making all these decisions were making tons of money on this because they had stock in these companies. And it probably is the case. It probably just is. And why is it that the guy who wrote the chapter in the book on immunology, why is it that he didn't include anything on previous infection? Why is it that having gotten COVID has nothing to do with whether they would want kids going to schools or not? The point is, I know it's like nonsensical to even talk about COVID anymore, but when we have these brief moments, when some of the bullshit is, is exposed and, and these people are taken down a notch, I think it's worth noting. And I wanna just put a pin in this one because hopefully the Republicans will take back the House and the Senate and then they'll drag Fauci out again with some teeth behind it, with some teeth going, man, you could be in a lot of trouble now unless you really start telling us the truth. Now, the funny thing about all of this is that uh, again, and you know I like to give CNN credit when there's something remotely sane on CNN, well, Democrat activist Jake Tapper, who was, you know, for lockdowns and for masking and for vaccines and everything else, he's kind of even coming around on that this stuff doesn't work. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. There's a vaccine there. If you want to require the vaccine, require the vaccine. But the masking is damaging psychologically, emotionally and educationally for these kids. Okay, so I could have shown you more with Gupta there. But the point is that Tapper, even when he gets it, he doesn't really get it because it's like if you want to force them to vaccinate, then force them to vaccinate. It's like, no, doesn't work. Uh, it's against civil liberties. Uh, it's against uh, privacy and all of those things. Um, but his point is that masking them is really bad. So all of this, it's like, it's starting to happen. The pushback is starting to happen. Obviously kids are back at school. It's the fall now. They're not gonna stop. They're gonna keep pushing and pushing. You know, we, we know, right? It's the fall now and the weather in the Northeast, especially it's gonna get colder. There'll be more... COVID, blah, blah, blah. You guys got it. You got it. Sometimes I'm doing the show and I'm thinking, my audience is too smart. Why do I even have to talk to them? I could just sit up here and stare at the screen and you guys, we could just, you know, I could nod every now and again and you guys, at the end, we'd be like, all right, good show, good show. Uh, all right, let me talk to you about fast growing trees. Then we'll get to the Q&A. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but I spend a ton of time making my house feel like home indoors and out. That's why I love fastgrowingtrees.com. Whether you're looking to add some privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. I love fast growing trees. When David and I were remodeling our home this summer, we brought in a couple new trees. We have some, uh, what do we got? We got a mango, we got an avocado and a few more. I cannot recommend them enough. You guys go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben and you'll get 15% off your entire order. Now through October 15th, get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben, fastgrowingtrees.com slash Ruben. And up after me. Uh, all right, here we go. Rubenreport.locals.com community Q&A. Kathy says, how is Mr. Burrito? He looks like an easygoing baby. Is he getting into a routine? So yes, Justin is a little over a month now. I call him Mr. Burrito because uh, he is a good eater. So he's got a little weight on him. I think he's in like the 80th percentile in height and weight. He's gonna be a big kid. That's what it's looking like right now. 
And when we wrap them up and swaddle him, I'm not very good at the swaddle. You guys know about the swaddle. I've talked about it before. They literally wrap children up like a burrito, almost like a straight jacket. Um, and uh, it, it basically, so they can't like poke themselves in the eye or scratch their face or whatever. But it's just kind of, there's a, there's a soothingness to it that they're kind of wrapped in and tight. Uh, but he's doing great. He's doing great. And since I've been back to work, my morning routine, and you guys are seeing this on, on Locals where I'm posting pictures, um, you know, I sit with him for usually about a half hour in the morning. Uh, sometimes that's feeding, depending on what his schedule is at that time, but that's just kind of me, him, and Clyde on the couch, just relaxing, try to get a nice spot on the couch by the sun so he gets a little sun. You want kids to get a little bit of, of indirect sunlight so that they don't get jaundice. A uh, little, uh, little vitamin D is good for the kids and, uh, and for the adults, I suppose. And, uh, and then we try to take a walk in the morning, and then I'm busy all day long, so then I kind of don't see him much till really around dinner time, we throw them in the docketot. It's like a little, little soft little box kind of thing that you can just kind of put on the table and he can just kind of lay there and make some sounds, et cetera, et cetera. But it's been good, it's been good. It's, it's all good, I'm a dad, weird. Lawrence says, whenever I applied for a job, I had to be interviewed to see if I understood what was required for the position. When I enlisted in the military, I had to take a test to see what sort of duties I could qualify to do. Shouldn't candidates for office have to pass some sort of test concerning the responsibilities of the job and have a working knowledge of the Constitution they are swearing to defend? Well, great question. First off, thank you for your service. Um, yeah, you know, it does seem like an awful lot of politicians today, and I would say this across the aisle, have no idea what they are doing in Congress, like what their duties are to the people. And especially, I would say, and this definitely goes more to the Democrats, especially the younger Democrats, they seemingly have no desire to or intention to uh, defend the Constitution, which is what they are sworn to do, is to defend the Constitution from enemies, right? And I would argue in many cases, they have become the enemies, whether it is their alliance of corporate and political power, which some might say is a type of fascism, whether it is trampling on the First Amendment by pushing on big tech companies to silence people. Uh, there's a, a huge amount of other things that they have done. Like, we, And that's the problem. And I think that's the problem that as we expose, they will get more and more hysterical. You know, if you take a whole bunch of young politicians, say the AOC, Ilhan Omar, squad crowd, and then you, know, you take the sort of decrepit crew that's left with the Democrats, Pelosi and Schumer and everything else. And, and the basic idea that they run on is that everything is bad that the 1619 Project in America f was founded on racism, that that's what our true history is, that we are systemically racist, that we are an evil patriarchy, all of these things. Well, then why would you defend the Constitution of the United States? So I don't think AOC has any intention of defending the Constitution of the United States. As a matter of fact, in that ridiculously silly puff piece that uh, GQ did on her last week, she basically said one of the reasons she might not run for president is because she wouldn't have unlimited power, right? She would have uh, checks and balances. And it's like, that tells you an awful lot about these people, that they want power more than anything else. So yes, should there be a basic test? Wouldn't that be something if they just had like a one-page test for anyone that got voted into Congress or the Senate? And it could be basic stuff. I'm talking multiple choice, Scantron, old school, number two pencil, like just basic civics. How many branches of government? How many senators are there? Uh, you know, what is federalism? Like some basic stuff. I would, I would bet probably about 60% of them would fail, maybe even more. Ari says, if the progressive old Dave appeared today, 
what would he think of the modern left's ideas? Would he try to defend them or would he be shocked and horrified by what has what his party has become? I mean, I can only answer that as new Dave and new Dave's a little better than old Dave, which is that I saw the light. Like old Dave, credit to old Dave. He was, he was a little misguided at first, but he came around. Like old Dave saw it. I think, honestly, I, I don't think it would surprise me how crazy it's gotten. Like, I, that's what I was worried about. I felt that there was nothing stopping any of it, that, that there was a, um, a cultish attitude with it and that reality didn't matter. And none of this would surprise me. So, you know, if you go back even to, we talked about it a week or two ago, you go back to my first interview with Jordan Peterson from 2016, and he's talking about this, this law, Bill C-16 in Canada, and they're gonna potentially jail or fine people based on gender pronouns. And like, there was a little bit of me, even though I was still in my wake up process, that was actually before the Why I Left the Left video. So I was still, I still considered myself on the left. There was a little bit of me that was like, no, this, this is a little nuts. Like they wouldn't do this in Western societies. But, but there was another part of me, and I think this was the driving part, which is why I was so outspoken all the years, which was nothing's gonna stop these people. That's why I was always challenging the liberals because I felt, and I still do, this is why I'm always talking about Bill Maher and why I'm looking forward to talking to him next week. It's like, there was a challenge to the, to the good liberals. And, and believe it or not, even though I know most of you guys are conservative or libertarian or whatever, like there are good liberals and there were good liberals and JFK was a liberal, right? And uh, you know, there was a chance, there was a chance to stop the thing, but liberalism collapsed, the liberals collapsed and that, that was very sad for me. So I think I would be horrified. I, I don't think I would be totally shocked, um, but I think most of us, if, if you just flash back to say, even six years ago, right? It's not that long ago. I think most of us would be like, man, this, this weird wacky state is still uh, on, like it's still happening right now. Like something, something ain't right. I think we can all agree on, with that. Uh, Amy says, have you had any weird dreams about being a parent or about your son since Justin has bo been born? Um, yeah, I've had like some, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get into like all the specifics of them, but I've definitely, my dreams have felt when I've woken up, you know, you sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, that, that dream meant something and it was obvious. A lot of times your dreams can be sort of amorphous. You can't quite put them together or you just kind of go back to sleep or you maybe should think about it, but you just want to, you just want to roll over and close your eyes. I've had more dreams. I would say that like I've woke up and been like, oh, that's obvious. Um, more even I think related to my childhood. So there's obviously something going on there where I'm maybe thinking a little bit more about my own childhood and uh, now trying to be a father and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Candace says, did you hear about evil Sheila Cool getting raided and Patty Giggins, the civilian oversight of the Civilian Oversight Commission? I'm curious what your thoughts are since you protested at Sheila's home. So Sheila Cool, for those of you that are not playing insider baseball, she was one of the Los Angeles County administrators of the five person board who decided to make, she was the deciding vote when they decided to close outdoor eating after they had opened up some stuff and things were getting a little bit better in Los Angeles. She was the deciding vote to close outdoor eating. And then from the vote, she went because it wasn't gonna kick in for 24 hours. She went to her favorite Italian restaurant in Santa Monica and ate at the restaurant, having just voted to close all the restaurants. So there was a massive protest outside of her house a few days later. I didn't really like the idea 
of protesting at someone's home. I believe people have a right to privacy. That's where they happened to do it. And I was so enraged at the time that I did go and there were hundreds of people there. And as I often say, and the media frames that these were all scary Trump supporters and mean Republicans and Nazis. It was like, it was basically all liberals. These were, these were Los Angeles actors and lighting people and just people who had been mugged by reality and wanted to keep their businesses open or whatever else. So I took a bunch of the guys and we went to her house. That is where, in front of Sheila Cool's house, I will never forget it, that is where we all signed the recall for Gavin Newsom. I signed it, uh, a, a guy came up to me, he was a fan, he let me, uh, on the paper, you had to do it by hand, and if your pen actually touched the line above or the line below, it would discount, they would get rid of your signature. So a guy came over, he said, Dave, you can, I'd be honored if you signed it on my back, and I signed the thing right there. Anyway, what's going on with her right now, apparently her house was raided, there are some questions as to whether she was doing shady deals with contracts related to the city. Uh, and that, you know, the city has to do bid contracts if things are over, I believe, $500,000. So she signed somebody that she knew to do a contract for $494,000. Sounds a little shady, doesn't it? Anyway, I don't know a tremendous amount about it, and I don't even want to really focus on Los Angeles or California too much. Suffice to say, I have a feeling she did something shady, and either way, she does not deserve that job or respect or anything else. City says, not a question, just want you to know I'm praying for your meeting with Bill Maher. Oh, well, thanks. I, listen, I think you guys know how I'm going to do it. And as I said, they do it. He often smokes weed during the interview. I am not going to smoke weed with Bill Maher, uh, but they did ask what my drink of choice is. I asked for my Claus Azul Reposado on the rocks. And we'll, look, we'll have a drink and we'll talk it out. We'll talk it out. My intention is not to get him. I hope his intention is not to get me. I hope they'll release it pretty quickly. I hope they don't do any editing. Um, and we, look, this is somebody who I've admired for most of my life, who I think is a decent guy. I think for the most part, he's fighting the good fight, even if he's still coming to some of the wrong conclusions. So it's gonna be good. Like how, how often do those conversations get to happen? And I, I also would say that I hope that it will be just one of the first. You know, I hope that he will then come on this show. Uh, maybe we can do it live in Miami and uh, maybe we can do it in front of an audience. And let's just conti continue that conversation and let's see what happens. Like, like if we were both, let's say we were 90% in agreement, say five years ago. So, okay, so now I've gone to the right and let's say he's kind of stayed this way, but the left has gone off the deep end. It's like, well, okay, let's, let's keep having this conversation over time. Let's see which is right. Is it right that Florida is run better than California? Like, I think it's pretty obvious. Is it right that high taxes and big government programs don't work? I think I'm right on that. Um, we can have the abortion conversation. We can have any conversation. I think if we could try to do it time over time, two people who actually respect each other or they have an understanding of where they came from and all of that stuff. And the fact that I was a fan of his and when I started doing stand-up in 98, really almost more than The Tonight Show, I wanted to get on Politically Incorrect because that sort of fit more within the, the types of things that I was doing. Um, and his stand-up specials have been spectacular, even if I disagree with some of the stuff on them now. And I interned actually for Politically Incorrect in around 1999 for a week. They did a week's worth of shows in Brooklyn uh, and I interned for Politically Incorrect. I, I'm sure he doesn't know that, so I'll bring that up. And All right, so we'll see what happens. That's all I gotta say about that. Uh, Char says, Dave, could you talk about the fact that Miami is now the safest city in America? How did that happen at a time when crime has skyrocketed 
uh, our once beautiful cities and suburbs. So yes, not only is Miami now the safest city in the United States, and that's despite all of the people that come to South Beach and were coming during COVID. And yes, there was some violence in South Beach. People were coming here and getting drunk and hooligans and all of that stuff. But we are governed by good people. Uh, Francis Suarez, who is the mayor of Miami, who I've interviewed before, and we're gonna interview him at the local studio in a couple of weeks. Uh, he, well, he's a Republican. He believes in law and order. He is right now, he's got this initiative to try to reduce the homeless population in Miami to zero. I don't know if that's actually po possible, like truly get it to zero, but you don't see the tents. You don't see the transients. You don't see the drug use here. You know what you do see? You do see a decent amount of cops around. And it's not like cops, like they're hunting down people to find people that are not doing bad things and put them in jail. It's like you get a sense of, oh, this is a place of law and order. I live in the suburbs of Miami in a, in a small area here, and we have a small police force. I mentioned on the show the other day, there hasn't been a home robbery in my area in 12 years. You, the, the streets are clean. And another thing that's beautiful about Miami is there is so much construction right now. And this is happening all over Florida, but I, I live here in Miami, so I can talk specifically about that. There is so much construction because they don't have all the red tape and regulations around buildings. So all these people are flocking here. One of the problems that Florida has right now, and this is a legit problem that DeSantis is gonna have to work on and all the mayors are gonna have to work on, is when you do it right, when you build the promised land, you know what happens? An awful lot of people wanna to come to the promised land. And then these people have money and resources. So then housing prices start going up. And then the people who were the OG Floridians, they are having trouble getting houses now. That's a serious, real issue that I would love to work with the mayor on if there's anything I can do to help. Um, but the point is that there is very little crime here in Florida as a whole, but specifically Miami. Uh, it is flourishing. How are we doing all of this without having income tax? I would have paid money to get in. You know, it's like, you know what? It's if you bring in good people with the right ideas. Uh, Suarez actually wrote a op-ed, I think it was in Wall Street Journal, uh, it was at the end of August, I read it right when I got back, just what his guiding philosophies are, which is that the government's not supposed to do everything. We're gonna create the conditions for you to figure out a way to live the way you wanna live. And it's working, man. It is absolutely working. And on top of everything else, I saw that Florida was also voted, or Miami is the most fit city in the United States. We all gotta get to the gym today. We're, you know what? We're gonna have a Ruben Report workout today because we live in the fittest city in the United States. Uh, Snow Baby says, what are you looking forward most to teaching your sons? Um, you know, I've been thinking about this a little bit sort of in the, in the context of the show. Like when I sit there with Justin, it's like, when you bring a child into this world, like that is a blank canvas. You know, like when he's just sitting there and he's kind of looking at you and he's looking around and he's, you know, he's still not like fully locking eyes yet, but like he's just kind of looking at the world. They say they can't, they can't, they see more shapes yet. It's not, it's unclear whether babies immediately see colors. So we do a lot of high contrast images with them. And we've just started giving him like putting a mirror in front of him so he can see his reflection a little bit. But one of the things that I think about when I'm looking at him is like relative to what I do here for a living, right? Which is so much of what we talk about is related to how, uh, say state educators are treating children when it comes to gender and all of these things. Um, whether, you know, I try to get the right ideas across to you guys. Like now I have a, a deeper responsibility to this kid, right? We have a deeper responsibility to, to Justin and, and his brother who's on the way. It's like, I want these kids to know that there is something 
in the world that is true, that there is right and wrong, that, that, that reality exists and all of those things. And how will I make sure that all of the bad ideas that I'm constantly fighting on this show uh, don't get, don't infect him? I don't know. It's going to be difficult. It'll be a little bit easier uh, because we'll, we'll hopefully have the means to have him in the right school or be homeschooled. Uh, it'll be a little bit easier because we have a good community around us and good families and things like that. But it's not going to be easy. The culture war comes for everybody, right? Like it, it really comes for everybody. You don't know how they can get your kids. You know, there are plenty of parents that probably do everything right, you know, whatever right means, basically right, that still the kid could get hooked on fentanyl or whatever it might be. So I, I've been thinking about that a lot. Like how, how do you protect this child without overprotecting them and also make sure that, that the evil stuff out there doesn't get them? TBD, TBD. Elizabeth says a lot of acti activists are pushing for puberty blockers on children and some are even saying that everyone should be placed on them until they can decide which gender they want to be. I know that sounds nuts, but that's actually true. How can we put a stop to this kind of insanity? Should the parental rights education bill in Florida be adopted in other states or is that still enough? Look, that's a start. That is a start, but it is not enough. So first off, of course, every state should model the don't say gay bill, which had nothing to do with being gay, and simply that you do not want six-year-olds being taught anything about sexuality or gender by state educators, and state educators, and especially if they can keep that information private from the parents. Just imagine, I mean, I've thought about this. So now Justin's six years old, he's in first grade. Imagine if I found out that actually for three months, there was a teacher talking to him about gender or sexuality, maybe calling him Justine instead of Justin, and I didn't know about that. I might kill that person. That's where we're at, right? So unless you don't want these people killed, and I mean this somewhat <laughs> flippantly, um, like it's, they, they want to abuse children. They want to abuse children. That is abuse. I don't mean that as overt sexual abuse, but it is an abuse of a child. And you can start by doing some of the stuff legislatively, but really what you need to do is everyone needs to understand these issues clearly and not let their kids be part of this. If this is happening at a school, if it's happening wherever it might be happening, if it's happening at a church or a synagogue or at a, in the basketball league or any of the nonsense, you must be willing to stand up and tell your kids what is true and not put them in, in danger from these things because this absolutely is danger. What do you think the world is gonna be like when, we, when we're being run, right now we're being run by a bunch of geriatric lunatics uh, who are just trying to hold on to something they should have given away a long time ago or never had a right to hold for so long. What do you think's gonna happen when the, say, millennial generation or even below the millennial, the Zoomers, or even below that, when the, the eight-year-old of today, when they're in charge and they think back to being jabbed with things that we find out they shouldn't have been jabbed with and they think back to being put in front of TikTok to be brainwashed with gender nonsense and abused by their teachers. And now they're in charge. You think they might be a little pissed off at the old people? I think so, I think so. Uh, Joe, said, uh, Joe says, aside from your own, which books do you recommend everyone read if they wanna get a better, better understanding of current affairs and how we got here. You know, one book I absolutely recommend, I've read it at least three times and it is an incredible framing of America and the right ideas and why this thing is precious and an experiment and we better not give it up is uh, it's still the best hope by Dennis Prager. Dennis has a new book coming out, right? In a couple of weeks, I think we're gonna have Dennis on 
yeah, in a couple of weeks uh, to promote his new book. Uh, but that's, what, what year was that? Uh, Still the Best Hope. Can we get a year on that? I think it's probably about 10 years ago or so. Maybe, maybe even more, actually. Let's, let's check on that. Uh, but it's just a great, uh, Dennis has a way not only of speaking, but of writing where he can get complex ideas out in a very, very clean, mature way. And I just love the title, Still the Best Hope. And that's what I'm always talking about here. We still got hope. That was pretty good. I said about a decade ago, 10 years, 2013, pretty good. Uh, so I would start with that if you haven't read it and then, uh, and then go from there. Uh, Lady Broad says, is Rumble stock available to purchase? So I, I don't know because I'm obviously, uh, I'm consulting with Rumble. I can't get, I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say or not allowed to say or anything else, but it is public knowledge that Rumble through a SPAC which is a special purchase acquisition company um, known as, it's listed in NASDAQ right now as CFVI. As of tomorrow, this is public, it will be listed as RUM, R-U-M, pretty cool, RUM, we'll have some mojitos, and it will be Rumble. Uh, so I can't, I'm not giving you any advice. I'm not here to give anyone financial advice, certainly. I obviously believe in the company. I love the idea that free speech in essence uh, will be going public. That is that is pretty great. Um, and I'm going to New York City next week, so more on that soon. So, so cool stuff is happening, uh, but don't take that as any sort of financial advice whatsoever. You know, talk to your financial advisor, <laughs> I guess. Uh, don't listen to Jim Cramer on CNBC or whatever channel that clown is on. Um, but it is very exciting. There, there are good things happening. What we have needed this entire time was a public company to come in and fight. You know, it was one thing to have little companies trying it. And that's why I'm so proud that we, we Locals was just this little idea that I had. And we started building it and it was just for the locals community so I could have my own community, right? And then we started spawning it off to other people and then suddenly we had something and it was doing well and we got good investors and we had great people and tech behind it. And it's still advancing, right? I did a live stream yesterday just for the locals community. And our, our live stream now off the phone is as sharp as Instagram and rolls the same way and, and, it's, and it's awesome. And it's just one of the features that we're laying out. But then we thought, okay, well, we're not strong enough alone to beat big tech. How about we join with Rumble? And Rumble's got an awesome cloud service beyond just the, the sort of front end YouTube side of things. And now that's going public. And that means that the people, the people can get in on it. So it is pretty awesome. So don't take that as financial advice. Uh, there'll obviously be more over the next week or so, but uh, I'm very excited about that. Brian says, what is your favorite holiday? By far, Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving by far. You know, I love the idea of sort of an American secular holiday that everyone, regardless of religion or creed or origin, everyone at least hopefully celebrates Thanksgiving, a time to be thankful for what America is. And, you know, hopefully you're sitting around a table with at least a couple people that you love or like and you're eating some great food. I, I am extremely blessed to be around a lot of great chefs. As, as you guys know, David is a great chef, uh, but his mom and his sister, uh, sister-in-law, like these are, these are incredible chefs. So we, we make, all, we fried a turkey one year. We, do, we just do awesome things. It's a couple of days of cooking and drinking good wine and enjoying ourselves. And just, you know, we go around the table, we talk about what we're thankful for. Uh, but I really love it because it's the thing that everyone does as opposed to not everybody celebrates Christmas or not everybody celebrates Hanukkah or not everybody celebrates, is it Diwali? Is that the Indian holiday? Diwali? I think it's Diwali. Yeah, I got a yes on that. Not everyone celebrates these things, but, but Thanksgiving is what America is all about, right? This melting pot of people from every background, every walk of earth can come together 
and celebrate and be thankful. You know, a little humbleness in these crazy times we live in is probably good. Uh, Beth says, as someone who's been looking for a new job using job sites like uh, Indeed and LinkedIn, I'm sickened by how many companies are asking for pronouns and vax, vax status. Do you think a platform like Locals would ever compete in that space and feature non-woke companies who believe in freedom and who don't care which of the 20 new pronouns someone is? So first off, before I get to the, what we're gonna try to do with Locals, the idea that all of these companies have been infected with this, I mean, it's dangerous, right? And, and it goes back to one of the questions earlier about like, what would I wanna protect my children from? It would be the pronoun craziness. It would be uh, a world that you have to say whether you are vaccinated or not to get a job. I mean, it's, it's sick, it's sick and twisted, but it's here, right? So like, we have to acknowledge that it is here. It has infected these companies. LinkedIn is not gonna turn around on that. Imagine if at LinkedIn, uh, they just suddenly had a meeting. And they were like, boy, you know, maybe this pronoun stuff is kind of stupid and, and I don't know why we put it in and let, let's get rid of it, guys. Even if everyone at the board there agreed, the base, the activist base, the Twitterati, the trolls and the bots would all turn on them. So they become, they become hostages of things that they often don't even believe in. They usher it in, they don't realize how bad it is and then they become hostages. But fortunately, you know, go woke and go broke. And that's why a lot of these companies are really struggling. As for locals and would we do something like that? Yeah, we're trying to figure out like, we're really trying to rebuild the internet. We would love to figure out a way that your locals homepage will be sort of your new Facebook. And guess what? You'll own everything and we're not gonna data mine it. We're figuring out instant messaging so you can message not just the creators, but you can message each other. Uh, we were thinking about something related to job boards. Like it all, it all just takes a little bit of time. It just takes a little bit of time, but I'm telling you, these guys are working hard. We got the right people there and uh, stay tuned. Uh, Antoinette says, you said you had help planned for when Justin was born. Do you have help planned for his brother? I can't imagine how hard life is about to become praying for you all. So yeah, so we have, we have baby two coming basically, well, October 14th is the due date, but I suppose he could show up at any point. Baby, if you're listening or if the surrogate's listening right now, stay as long as you can. Enjoy yourself in there. It's nice and warm, temperature controlled. Um, but uh, yeah, it's crazy. Like, you know, our life has changed significantly, obviously in these last couple of weeks and mostly in, in great ways that I can't even fully explain, uh, but that we're about to do it again. Even just the idea of like going to the hospital again and that whole experience again and the bris again and just like all the stuff again. It's like, here we go again, I suppose. Deja vu all over again. Um, but we do have a baby nurse who's absolutely wonderful and, you know, fortunately having some help and, you know, because we've had David's mom and my parents have been here and I've mentioned that my sister just gave birth with her third. Uh, so, you know, we've had people around here to help out and, uh, my team around here helps out. Daphne has been very helpful, uh, you know, with swaddling and other things. Um, so yeah, it's, it's good. And, you know, you just, I think in life, you just kind of move forward. I think if I've done one thing well, Probably it's just that you move forward. You, you don't even know exactly what you're doing the whole time, right? You can't really think about it too much. Like I think if I had thought about it too much, boy, adding two kids to the equation and I'm so busy and I'm doing all the things that I want to do. And, you know, I've mentioned many times that when I was on tour with Jordan, he was talking about how most people 
to live a fully actualized life need the experience of being a parent. It always makes the point, not everybody. There, of course, are people on the margins that can find other things to make their lives fully fulfilled. Most people need that. I think it's possible. I think I was sort of like an edge case on that. Like my life had an awful lot of meeting a month ago. I, I have put so much into this. I have built companies. I have good friends. I'm in a good relationship. Like I was pretty fulfilled, but I know there is a deeper fulfillment right now and, and, a, and a deeper one even coming. Um, but you just, you just move forward. You just say, Hey, I'm going to do something. And, and if you just do it, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's all that life's all about really. Uh, CS says, is Trump going to show up in your studio in person? That'd be awesome. Phoenix, are we working on that? I got a thumbs up. We are working on getting Donald J. Trump to the locals office in Miami. He doesn't do a lot of like, I'll come to you kind of things. This is more of a, you gonna come to me kind of thing. Um, so I guess we could try to get over there. Look, obviously there's a lot of energy. There's always a lot of energy around Trump. There's an awful lot right now between the Mar-a-Lago raid, between him deciding whether or not he's gonna run. And you know, that's why it's also like, I haven't spent too much time talking about 2024 because it's like, until we have a sense of what Trump's gonna do, the rest of it is just nonsense, right? DeSantis has an election coming here in November. He's obviously gonna crush it. I don't know that I even want him to run. You know, I've, we've discussed it many times. I think you can make arguments either way. It's like on one hand, I want this guy to just solidify Florida and he loves Florida and let's be the shining beacon for the world. And in some ways it's, it's a sad truth, but the state that you live in matters more than the country. I know that that doesn't sound right. And of course, I don't mean that to be anti-American in any way. I love this country. I wish this country could live up to the American ideals that it often did until these last couple of years. Um, but the state you live in has, has paramount importance. So the idea that you know, we'd export DeSantis unless everything has been taken care of here, they figure out a, success, a secession plan uh, and, and all of those things, not, not secede from the union. I mean, someone else come in after him, a succession plan. Um, you know, these are all the things that you have to think about. So, uh, but yes, I would gladly interview Trump. I would even do it at Mar-a-Lago if they're not gonna, they'd, but, but they'd be bugging me. They'd be bugging me. Like they bug everybody over there. Gosh, darn it. Uh, reminder guys, like our videos, subscribe, rumble.com slash Rubenport. Love seeing those rumble numbers going up. Uh, part three of my interview with investor Vivek Ramaswamy is up right now. The full thing's up at Locals. Uh, absolutely ad-free. And the Friday roundtable extravaganza is back tomorrow. Uh, we've got Libby Emmons from Post Millennial. We've got Viva Fry from uh, Viva Barnes Law. Viva, who just, he fled Canada and he lives in the free state of Florida. Very exciting. And the third guest, TBD, to be decided. We'll know within the hour. I leave you with a cold close. Have a great Thursday, everybody. See you tomorrow. You finally beat Pharma. That's so weird. We beat Farmer this year. We beat Farmer this year. What in the fuck? Bullshit. It didn't happen. That didn't happen. Bullshit. Bullshit. I'm sorry. Never happened. Never happened. It never happened. It's never happened. It's never happened. And it didn't happen. Just no way. It has never happened. Never happened. Never happened. Never happened. It's ridiculous bullshit. It never happened. It never happened. Never happened. That has not happened. I think it ever happened. It's never happened. Never happened. That didn't happen. And it still never happened. It didn't happen. Come on, man. Is that monkey conscious? 
Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.